Hello and welcome to the Cuban Connection. I'm Felix Chevalier. In this episode, we'll be talking about Cuba, the new trade and travel frontier. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. So in this episode, we'll be talking about trade and travel, the new frontier, that would be Cuba. Now, why do I feel so bullish about Cuba? I'll explain why, uh, but I am not naive. I understand that uh, Cuba has its own problems. Uh, just uh, a, a week and a half ago, uh, the Cuban government cracked down on entrepreneurs on the island, uh, prohibiting uh, uh, Cubans on the island from getting new licenses to opening up to open up uh, businesses. So I, I understand that Cuba has its own challenges, uh, not only uh, in terms of allowing people to start uh, various enterprises. Of course, there's a lot of rancor between the United States and Cuba on human rights issues. So uh, I am certainly not naive. Uh, about those issues. Uh, but I am very bullish on uh, Cuba, um, not only because my family is from there, I've been there, representing companies who are doing business there, just from an economic standpoint, just from a common sense standpoint, um, it is inevitable that Cuba will be the new trade and travel frontier for the United States. I think travel has already uh, shown that. Uh, once uh, President Obama uh, relaxed uh, the restrictions on travel between Cuba and the United States. Uh, Americans flocked to Cuba in massive numbers. And so uh, it makes sense that uh, that's happened. Uh, there's a, a lot of mystery with Cuba because it's been the forbidden island for uh, frankly, over half of half a century for Americans, and so uh, it makes sense that you would have such an influx of Americans traveling to Cuba. Uh, that's been quashed a little bit uh, recently with the new Cuba policy uh, that President Trump announced back on June 16th. Uh, but uh, you, you just cannot stop uh, the way things will go, and I am confident, I know without a shadow of a doubt, uh, that the Cuban market will open up to the United States for both travel and trade. Again, it's just a matter of time. In fact, this morning, uh, I was reading an article where China just became the largest trade partner with Cuba. Uh, the Chinese uh, export over $2.5 billion in goods and services to Cuba on an annual basis. I think uh, considering the fact that we are a little closer to Cuba, uh, and frankly, I believe we have better products and services than the Chinese, we're in a far better position to service uh, the Cubans. But let's, let's, let's go back a little bit um, and understand why we have the scenario that we're in today. Uh, if you look back in history, um, uh, you know, why are we not exchanging uh, in trade and why are we not traveling as Americans to Cuba uh, uh, freely? Uh, again, if you go back to 1959, uh, January 1st, when Fidel Castro overthrew the Cuban government, um, uh, a lot of 
more well-to-do or better-off Cubans were able to leave at the last minute. Uh, uh, they were able to leave Cuba and uh, migrate to the United States and other parts of the world, but uh, the United States was the closest place to go. And so many uh, Cubans left the island uh, because of uh, the fear that uh, the uh, Cuban, I'm sorry, the Fidel Castro regime would um, either imprison, kill, um, or uh, restrict many of the uh, Cubans who were uh, on the island doing pretty well under the, ba the Batista regime before Fidel Castro uh, took it over. Many of those people, uh, Cubans on the island, uh, went to the United States and many of those Cubans went to Florida in particular. Now what's interesting is that, uh, of course, uh, many of those Cubans uh, frankly detested uh, Fidel Castro because Castro uh, took their property and uh, gave their property to uh, other Cubans or used their homes as uh, for members of uh, his military. Uh, they basically confiscated uh, private property uh, and gave it to people in the military, other uh, Cuban citizens who may not have uh, had the resources to get a home. Farmlands were confiscated and distributed amongst the agrarian community. Uh, essentially, there was a redistribution of wealth. And of course, those who were wealthy uh, would have a serious problem with that. I'm sure that if you or I were in that position, we would have the same sentiments uh, as those folks. So, uh, as you can imagine, uh, many of those Cubans wanted to uh, regra regain uh, their wealth. Uh, they wanted to regain their property and, frankly, their status and continued to have a lot of animosity towards the, uh, uh, the Castros. And uh, they did everything they could do to uh, express that. Well, that also played out in politics. Uh, you have currently today, we have about eight members of the U.S. Congress who are um, uh, of Cuban descent. And many of the ones who are from Florida, uh, like um, um, uh, uh, Mario Diaz-Balard and, of course, Senator Marco Rubio, um, understand who their constituents are and uh, their constituents who, who they listen to the most, or at least it appears that way, tend to be the more fluent Cuban-Americans who are part of the Republican Party, who are really putting the pressure on uh, members of Congress like Rubio and Diaz-Balart to uh, make it difficult for the Cuban government. Now, what you will often hear is that, uh, for example, uh, Senator Rubio would say that you know his Cuba policy aims to help the Cuban people while undermining the uh, the Cuban military. Um, that sounds good, but in reality, uh, that's not how it plays out. Uh, so, for example, if you look at the recent policy uh, that uh, Senator Rubio was able to uh, convey to President Trump and which was partly laid out uh, by President Trump, he essentially um, had the idea that he would try to help the Cuban people and hurt the military. And how would they go about doing that? Um, 
based on the policy statement that President Trump issued, uh, Americans uh, are not allowed to interface or I should say trade directly with any Cuban agencies that are either owned or run by the Cuban military, which um, which is which is designed to obviously hurt the Cuban military. Uh, one of the other modifications that were made in this new Trump Cuba policy was to restrict or frankly eliminate uh, the individual people to people travel. Now what's interesting about that is uh, that is probably the one area that helps the Cuban people the most because if individual Americans are able to control their own agenda uh, or itinerary when they go to Cuba, they're more than likely going to stay at an Airbnb, which is where a local Cuban would uh, open up their uh, entire home or a portion of their home to an American citizen. Uh, that's lost revenue for an average everyday Cuban right there. Uh, they would visit more um, uh, restaurants or paladars, uh, as they were referenced uh, in Cuba, uh, which are owned by uh, Cuban citizens. Uh, they would rent uh, cars, uh, sorry, take cabs that are owned by uh, Cuban citizens. And that restriction of the individual uh, travel to Cuba uh, actually does more damage to the Cuban people uh, than anything else. So, um, I think it's important to share that, uh, just to keep everything in context, Context that the reason Cuba is uh, not a place where Americans can travel freely or do trade freely is because you have Cubans, primarily in Miami, uh, who are putting pressure on their elected officials to uh, limit any way that American policies can benefit the Cuban government, specifically the Cuban military, which is obviously op uh, uh, ran by the uh, by the president, who was Raul Castro, the brother of Fidel Castro. Uh, that pressure from the Cuban citizens onto their elected officials is now being applied to uh, President Trump. Now, you have to understand that President Trump won uh, Florida. I believe Florida has about 29 electoral college votes, and he wants to maintain that uh, for his run in 2020. So it makes perfect sense that uh, President Trump will give uh, the members of Congress in Florida what they want because he, in turn, wants to be able to uh, win Florida again. And if he gives those elected officials what they want and need and those elected officials in Florida able to provide their uh, constituency of what they want and need. And when I specifically refer to their constituency, I'm referring to the uh, wealthy um, or more better off or well-to-do uh, Cuban Republican Americans in Miami who often times are uh, some of the major donors to these members of Congress. So if you look at it purely from a political standpoint, it makes sense why um, there's such a stronghold 
uh, uh, by uh, this this group of uh, Cuban citizens, Cuban Americans in uh, Miami. But I believe uh, that all of that is going to change, and it is just a matter of time. And I'm going to refer to a couple of polls. Uh, that'll help you better understand this. Um, there was a Pew Research poll conducted in December 2016, and the poll was about supporting the lifting of the embargo. And 73% of Americans agreed that the trade embargo against Cuba has to go. That is huge, 73% of the American population. Now again, um, if you look at this from a if you look at this from a common sense standpoint, you may say, okay, if 73% of the population is saying that the embargo needs to go, uh, why isn't it gone already? Okay, it goes back to what I referenced earlier. You have this stronghold by uh, just a few members of Congress that are able to go against the uh, grain, if you will. Uh, another statistic by Morning Consult just this year in 2017, uh, where a poll was conducted to show that 55% of Republicans favor ending the embargo, while only 26% of Republicans uh, oppose the ending of the embargo. Again, common sense would say, well, if 55% of the Republican Party, which is in control of Congress, uh, the, uh, the executive body uh, as well, why is it that we're not able to get over that hump? Why can't we do what 73% of the American population want, wants? Why can't we get done what 55% of the Republican Party wants to get done? Again, it boils down to just a handful of members of Congress who are uh, essentially the uh, the linchpins uh, uh, to this process, to uh, lifting the embargo. Uh, another statistic, uh, CBS News poll back in June, I'm sorry, July of 2015, um, in reference to support for travel to Cuba, where it shows that 81% of Americans support expanding travel to Cuba, including a large majority of Republicans. Republicans, 71% agreed, 90% of Democrats and 80% 80, 80 of independents all agreed that support, show support for travel to Cuba. Uh, again, I'm not gonna reiterate the point. Um, we have an overwhelming majority of Americans across political lines who would like to see uh, unrestricted travel to Cuba. Um, uh, another statistic by FIU Florida International University poll back in September of 2016 uh, showed that support for lifting the embargo was over 63% by Cuban Americans in Miami and Dade County. 63% of Cuban Americans showed uh, or expressed that they want to see the embargo lifted. Another uh, FIU poll in September of 2016 showed that support for the reestablishment of diplomatic relations was at 69% by Cuban Americans in Miami. Now, uh, the, the last statistic I want to share with you, uh, again, with uh, from FIU, again, that's Florida International University in September 2016, uh, they, they also show support for travel to Cuba. That was 75% of uh, people, uh, Cuban Americans in Miami, uh, agreed that there should be uh, support for 
travel or supported travel to and from uh, Cuba and the United States. So um, uh, you would ask, well, if you kind of narrowed this down, if we zeroed in on uh, just Miami, uh, why is it that we can have a, a, a small population that is essentially holding up uh, the free travel and trade to uh, Cuba, but 63% of the population uh, agrees that we should have free travel and trade with Cuba. Uh, the difference, I believe, boils down to the people who are controlling the political fundraising purse strings and then the general population. Uh, years ago, uh, you had most Cuban Americans who are against uh, trade with Cuba. Uh, but what's happening is uh, the folks who came from Cuba uh, to the United States are dying off. Uh, they're getting older. Um, they may not be as active as they used to be. Uh, their children and grandchildren who grew up uh, hearing stories about why Fidel Castro and Raul Castro and the Castro brothers were uh, evil are, are, are getting older and starting to realize that um, uh, there's more than one way to look at the situation. Uh, some people are saying, you know, let let the history be history. Let's move on from that. There are a number of perspectives. Uh, and you also have some young Cuban Americans who will say, you know what, I will never step foot in Cuba until um, uh, the Castro brothers uh, are both gone. Uh, uh, th th there's a wide array, but the overwhelming majority, 63%, uh, or I should say the majority, 63% of Cubans in Miami-Dade County are now saying that they want to see free trade and travel with Cuba. Why is that the case? Because times are changing. People evolve over time. So it's just a matter of time before U.S. companies are able to trade freely and openly and travel to and from Cuba openly, which is why I believe that uh, Cuba will absolutely be the new frontier. If you look at it from just an industry perspective, from a trade perspective, it just makes sense for the United States to do business with Cuba. Uh, we look at the agriculture industry. Uh, earlier this year, a uh, hundred uh, agriculture-related companies and trade organizations wrote a letter to President Trump asking the president to open up trade with Cuba. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to know that um, uh, Cuba primarily gets its rice from Vietnam, from the other side of the world. When there's rice available right here in the United States, they can get it quicker. Uh, and actually get it cheaper. But the reason they're not able to get rice from the United States is because the embargo prohibits the financing of uh, uh, American products or goods. And as a result of that, Cuba cannot purchase uh, grains or frankly any uh, uh, products or uh, any products from uh, the United States on credit. And that's how uh, uh, many products uh, uh, and frankly services are, are financed on credit. So uh, it's a financing problem. The one good thing is that uh, Sonny Perdue, who is our new, uh, uh, the new US Secretary of Agriculture is, uh, um, uh, has 
it's, it's pro-Cuba. Uh, we'll see how far that goes within uh, the uh, Trump administration. Uh, but there are uh, there's currently regulation in Congress that is uh, seeking the uh, lifting of the trade and travel embargo against Cuba, and specifically one uh, for agriculture as well. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the recent uh, Cuba trade policy that was announced by uh, President Trump uh, does not completely restrict trade or travel with Cuba as President uh, Trump mentioned he would completely reverse. Uh, there is certainly a pathway based on the policy statement that he uh, stated. Uh, there's certainly a pathway to do business uh, with Cuba. We'll know specifically what the regulations will say probably in about another uh, uh, 30 days. We're probably looking at around uh, mid-September when we can start anticipating the new Cuba trade policy uh, uh, being converted into actual regulations. The devil will certainly be in the details, uh, but then we'll know, uh, you know what the rules of engagement will be with uh, trading with Cuba, but clearly there is uh, going to be a pathway. Uh, I think it's important for, uh, uh, for me to share with you that Cuba is, a, is seeking over $9 billion in foreign direct investment. This is in a variety of industries from healthcare, biotechnology, uh, nanotechnology, pharmaceuticals, engineering, infrastructure, construction, uh, uh, the tour tourism industry, hospitality, uh, energy, uh, you name it. Cuba is seeking to modernize the entire country. Uh, they're looking for renewable energy sources. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the agriculture business is in, in the United States or agriculture industry in the United States is well positioned and poised to do business with Cuba. Uh, Cuba imports all kinds of uh, 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 agricultural products from around the world. It just makes sense that uh, not only for the United States to take advantage of the Cuban market, but for the Cubans to take advantage of the American um, uh, uh, sources, resources in America, because it just makes more sense. You get, they can get better financing. Uh, they can get their crops much quicker. Uh, since you know we're only, uh, if you go into Florida, only 90 miles away, and so uh, that makes quite a bit of sense. <clears throat> uh, the traveling back and forth uh, just incre increases trade uh, between the two countries. Um, I, I also not think I, I I know that it just makes sense from an environmental standpoint, from a safety standpoint. Uh, there's a company called MEO, which is an Australian uh, exploration uh, company. Uh, they are mining currently, right now, they're drilling for oil. Uh, they're seeking investors from um, uh, all over the world to uh, invest in uh, this exploration project because they believe that they've found um, a deposit of of oil, and it's, it's, it's a pretty significant one. Well, what if there was an oil spill? Cuba is does not have the uh, equipment to uh, or resources to manage an oil spill. Um, if you have a company that's based in Australia that 
has to respond to an oil spill? Um, are they well positioned and do they have the resources and equipment in place to deal with uh, uh, an oil spill? Uh, um, the United States is in the best position. We have the best equipment, we have the best resources, we have the, uh, the uh, manpower to also deal with a major oil spill. We have the experience to deal with an, a major oil spill uh, in the Gulf region. And we also have a vested interest in making sure that one does not take place. And the best way for us to make sure that it doesn't take place is to be at least part of the process. Uh, and our next uh, episode, we'll be talking specifically more about energy, uh, how the energy industry can be playing a bigger role in not only taking advantage of the opportunities uh, from um, uh, exploration for oil and gas uh, in Cuba, but also taking advantage of renewable energy opportunities uh, in Cuba. Uh, we'll talk about how the energy industry in the United States is well positioned, just like the agricultural industry, to uh, play a big role in getting Congress to lift the trade and travel embargo uh, on Cuba so we can start exploring uh, the new frontier. Uh, until next time, thank you for joining me at the Cuban Connection. My name is Felix Chevalier. If you have any questions, feel free to uh, email them at contact at thecubanconnection.com. Again, thank you for joining us. Until next time. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to subscribe and leave your comments to the Cuban Connection on whichever podcasting service you use.